Hello everyone, my name is Brendan Moore. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator. And welcome to Page Turner's They Were Not, my Star Wars podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the plan for the original trilogy, or the lack thereof. There has been a lot of discussion lately about the plan or lack thereof in the sequel trilogy. Much arguing, much debating. But I believe that there is sufficient evidence to say that nothing was planned out of the sequel trilogy. This is concerning to many people, and rightly so. Now, I have enjoyed each episode of this new trilogy, and I love each of them immensely. So the lack of a plan did not bother me. But that does not take away from the fact that it bothers some people. And they have a right to be concerned. Because to them, many of the story threads and ideas, and even the episodes themselves, feel disconnected from each other. I do not share that same opinion. But I think it all comes down to whether or not you enjoy these memories or not. And I enjoyed them. Now let's talk about the original show. Before we do, I think in our modern age, with the success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe being kind of the standard by which all other franchises are judged. They are very well planned and well managed by Marvel President Kevin Feige, who is more or less the auteur of the MCU. I think that we as fans of and I mean anyone in the world of fandom of any kind. I think we have come to expect good planning in franchises. Um, I certainly know that for myself, the DCEU has irked me because of how hodgepodge it feels. In fact, how much it was trying to catch up to the MCU in one movie. Just to be brief, Batman vs. Superman tried to catch up to the MCU in one movie. And it was a mess. And the other movies were a mess. 
until management changed at D DC, at Warner Brothers, and the movies took off in a better direction. So we have already seen with a franchise like the DCEU that trying to catch up to Marvel, trying to be on the same standard as Marvel. There's a way to do it right, and there's a way to do it wrong, and I feel the DCU did it wrong. But suffice to say, most franchises are being judged by the MCU. And on that level, some might be disappointed in the sequel trilogy because it is not well, as well planned. I think the story threads connect, but that's just me. So let us cast our minds back 40 years ago to the original Star Wars trilogy. Now George Lucas has never come out and said, Yes, I planned it all out from the beginning, and I knew exactly where it was going. He has never said that directly. He has implied it. And we know with George Lucas that the truth about the original trilogy and George Lucas's planning is one of those as Obi-Wan would say, certain point of view situations. So George Lucas is a an interesting fellow when it comes to the truth. I do not mean that he is a liar. I mean that he is a... He tells the truth from a certain point of view. Now, what George Lucas has said is that he was writing Star Wars, realized the story was too long, and decided to split it into three parts. Which is, might be true, yet again, from a certain point of view. It's stretching the truth. I think it is safe to say, based on the evidence before us, that there was no plan for the original trilogy. I am certain and confident that George Lucas had many ideas that did make it into later films in the series, but not the whole thing being planned out. There are two things I would like to discuss that demonstrate the lack of planning but we'll discuss why those things work for us. Generally work for us as fans. We'll start with a lesser one. Leia being the sister of Luke. Not only is this very convenient, but it makes scenes in the earlier movies kind of awkward to put it lightly. Leia snogging Luke. Um, that's awkward now. 
And so, as Cersei Lannister would say, girl, please. Yeah. I won't get into that. This clearly is not the intention for the beginning. Now, the story is there, and if you read Chris Taylor's great book, How Star Wars Conquered the Universe, we get more details. George Lucas had envisioned that Luke had a sister. There was another child of Darth Vader who was on the other side of the galaxy going through her own hero's journey. This is why, at the end of The Empire Strikes Back, Yoda says, there is another. You know, Obi-Wan says, that boy is our last hope. And Yoda says, no, there is another. The other was Luke's sister. But this other sister, this sister that we had not met, would appear in the third installment, Return of the Jedi, or Revenge of the Jedi, it might have been. Uh, it was going to be called Revenge of the Jedi. Okay. Um, so this character was going to appear in the third installment. But this presented some trouble from a storytelling perspective. And that is the idea of suddenly introducing a character, an extremely important character out of nowhere. From a storytelling perspective, I do not believe that that would have worked. So in order to simplify things, George Lucas decided, but, and of course, to be fair, George Lucas was co-writing with Lawrence Kasdan, so let's give Larry some, a shout out, because many of the ideas came from him. Larry Kasdan and George Lucas decided that the sister would be Leia, because it would be more convenient to the story and better for the story in terms of a character that had already been established, it would be less awkward. It's already awkward enough. Now, I have always felt that the decision to make Leia Luke's sister was, uh, eh, how shall I put this? I don't mind it now. But if I dig deep into it, if I think too hard about it, I realize that's kind of weird. And kind of unnecessary, one might argue. Because it doesn't really add much to the story other than to say, well, Leia is powerful in the Force because of her family. Which, if I may go on a tangent just for a second, I think the Skywalker bloodline 
as far as we understand it, is the only bloodline that carries greater strength in the Force naturally. And I say that because I want to be absolutely clear. Ray is not powerful because of who her grandfather is. The fact that Palpatine's her grandpa doesn't make her more powerful. That power comes from her alone. As far as we as far as we understand the story right now. My reason for saying this is because it looks like, given the nature of the Jedi Order, that it's a much more random occurrence and does not carry through bloodline, considering also that the Jedi were not allowed to have relationships. Okay, tangent is done. Raised power is raised power. Okay, so it may have been the only thing that it really adds to the story is the idea that Leia is strong in force because of her bloodline. It was so nice in The Rise of Skywalker to see that played out. We saw Leia use a bit of the force in The Last Jedi. And The Rise of Skywalker further explains that. And shows Leia using her power to save her son. That's really the only thing it adds, and on that level, then yeah, it's great. But it is clearly not intended from the beginning of the trilogy. So, I'm fine with it, but it isn't the most uh, how shall I put it? It's not the best idea. Okay. Our final one as we conclude. Vader, or Anakin Skywalker, being the father of Luke. This is one of the most defining moments in all of cinema. The defining moment in the character of Darth Vader which I think took him beyond just being a villain to being one of the greatest characters of all time. Note, I do not say greatest villains of all time, I mean greatest characters of all time. This is not intended. In fact, it directly contradicts what was said in the original film. This, of course, is later explained by Obi-Wan as what I told you is true from a certain point of view. Which I theorize is the writers saying, uh, well, we have to explain that contradiction somehow. So we'll throw out a little bit of, um, for lack of a better word, BS to cover our tracks. 
but there are many ways to explain it. But to be clear, this is one of the greatest moments in cinema, one of the greatest reveals in cinema, and even though it directly contradicts the previous film, I would not change it for the world. It truly is one of the great moments in cinematic history. One of the most defining moments in cinema history. Now, of course, as we know, Obi-Wan told Luke that Darth Vader betrayed and murdered Anakin Skywalker. Then we learned they're one and the same, and Obi-Wan explains it as, well, you know, Anakin allowed the evil that was Darth Vader to destroy him. To transform into Darth Vader and to kill Anakin. To murder him. From a metaphorical point of view. Yet again, I think it's the writers covering their tracks. But to be fair, at that moment, when Luke says to Obi-Wan, how did my father die? I cannot imagine Obi-Wan suddenly going, well, you know that guy who's terrorizing the galaxy? That fascist tyrant in the black armor? Who slaughters people with the force and with his red lightsaber? By the way, that's your dad. I can't imagine Obi-Wan doing that. Now, one of the brilliances of Alec Guinness's performance, and I believe Alec Guinness gave the best, Alec Guinness gave the best performance of any actor in Star Wars, in my opinion. When Luke asks him, how did my father die? You remember, Obi-Wan takes a breath. There's a pause. There's a look in his eyes. Now, I think that the fact that Vader murdered Luke's father, you know, that's already kind of upsetting. So I imagine that's why Alan Guinness chose to do that. But, as Joseph Scrimshaw at Force Center likes to point out, and I agree, you could read that moment as Obi-Wan thinking, how do I phrase this? What do I tell Luke? How do I explain this? And uh, that is the brilliance of the acting of Alan Guinness. Is what you can read into that. So I think there are plenty of ways to explain that contradiction in a way that does not feel in a way that feels natural, in a way that doesn't feel forced. It is a contradiction. The certain point of view line is the writers throwing their tracks. But regardless of all this, it is 
a contradiction that I would not change for anything in the world. So in conclusion, I know it is upsetting and frustrating to many fans the lack of planning of the sequel trilogy. But as I like to point out, and I hope I have articulated it well in this episode, the original trilogy was also without a plan, and we love it. Maybe someday we'll look back at the sequel trilogy and go, well, it all makes sense, it's all fine. But I think that ultimately it's, if someone did not like the movies, the sequel trilogy, I think the contradictions, if, if you can call them contradictions, or untidy story threads, might be bothersome to someone like me who loves the new movies. It has not bothered me. So maybe it's about how we enjoy the films. We all as fans enjoy the original trilogy. Return of the Jedi might be a point of debate, but Star Wars and the Empire Strikes Back are beloved by almost all the fans. And because we love them, the contradictions don't bother us. So, my counseling would be, if you're concerned about the lack of planning in the sequel trilogy, just remember the lack of planning in the original trilogy. And maybe that will help. So those are my thoughts on the matter. The prequels are another interesting debate about continuity and planning, and that's a debate maybe we can have another time. Because that there is a fascinating point of study. So as I said, I have enjoyed the sequel trilogy immensely. I think that it all adds up in my head. If it doesn't add up in your head, that's fine. But I hope my words today have been of some comfort. Or have perhaps helped you come to terms with how you feel about the sequel trilogy. Those are my thoughts. Let me know yours. My name is Brendan Marr. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator. And thank you for tuning in to Page Turners They Were Not, my Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you.